to What the Fertility Season 3. This morning, we are sitting down with Shelby. Shelby, like most of our listeners, has always wanted to be a mom. And after 13 months of trying, she was diagnosed with both Hashimoto's as well as a low follicle count. So welcome, Shelby. We are very excited to hear your story this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thank We're you. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And if you just want to kind of start from the beginning of how it all started, if you knew you had Hashimoto's like before you even got married or kind of just tell us how it all began. Okay. So my husband and I got married April, 2022 and I stopped my birth control like January, 2022. I was like, we have to use condoms. We can't get pregnant before the wedding. Like literally I was being a psychopath. (laughs) So I was like, four months will be enough to be off birth control. We're going to get pregnant right away. I was ovulating on our wedding night and I was like, Oh my God, this is it. Like we're getting pregnant. This is so exciting. Um, we obviously did not. So from, let me back up a little bit. So the year we were, so for a year before our wedding, I was starting to feel really sick. I started gaining weight. I was sleeping all the time. I gained like 20 pounds in a year and I you know was on a diet I was working out for the wedding and I was like oh my gosh like it must be the stress from the wedding so we get married we start trying and I'm still sleeping all the time I my mom's like you have to be pregnant why are you sleeping why are you gaining weight so September 2022 rolls around and my mom was like you should go to the doctor like there's something wrong like we need to figure it out so I go to my mom actually has a lot of autoimmune diseases so I grew up aware of, you know, she has osteoporosis and fibromyalgia and all these autoimmune stuff, but she didn't get it till she was in her fifties. So she was like, just go to my doctor. We'll do blood work. I do blood work and a normal thyroid range is 0.4 to four. And mine was 34. Oh, wow. Oh my God. Yeah. So my doctor looked me in the face and was like, I don't know how you haven't been hospitalized. Your body is killing itself we don't know how long you've been sick, but like, we need to get you on medication as soon as possible, because if we don't like, you're going to go to the hospital. So obviously I start freaking out. I'm like, what does this mean? And he looks me in the face again. He's my mom's doctor for so long. And he was like, as a friend, I would go to the fertility doctor immediately because I have a feeling that this has been affecting you longer than you know. So obviously sheer panic. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how is this happening to me? Like, I've been healthy my whole life. I was a personal trainer. I took so such good care of myself. Like I'm on such a strict diet. So that was September, October. Um, we go to the fertility doctor. They run all the blood work. My thyroid levels are still high, but they're getting lower. And they're like, let's just do, you know, a vaginal ultrasound. Let's take a look at your follicles. Right when they like did the ultrasound and I'm looking on the screen, the doctor just gets like quiet. And I'm like, okay, like. What's wrong? What's going on? What's happening? Talk to me. So he's like, all right, like, let's meet in the office afterwards. Like, I literally am like, I'm shaking, I'm freaking out. And he was like, by the way, I'm, I just turned, I'm 30. But at the time I was 29. He goes, you have seven follicles. Someone your age should have 30. You, your insides are basically, you're someone in their fifties that are like about to go through menopause and you don't have enough follicles. Mm -hmm. Wow. I am like, I start hysterically crying. It's like, this is my nightmare. How? Like, this isn't what you envision your life to be. You know, my best friend was just going through IVF at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this sucks. Like I couldn't imagine going through it. And now all of a sudden 
my worst nightmare is coming true. So I'm just pulling up my timeline. We do that. And then he does a dye test, which basically they need to see if any of my fallopian tubes are blocked. Everything was fine. We do a trial transfer. This was all the end of 2022. So he's like, great, let's do an IUI January 23. Like, perfect. This is going to be great. We go we do the testing for my husband. His sperm is all looking good. January 2023 rolls around. We do an IUI. It fails. So I call my friend Katie and she had gone through like three IUIs. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, this feels like a waste of time. And she was like, if I were you, I would just jump right into IVF. Like IUIs kind of suck. And it's like a miracle if it happens, like the doctor is going to convince you to do it, but don't. And I was like, okay. So I start doing all my research. I start following all these fertility pages on Instagram. I'm learning as much as possible. And I was like, you know what? Like I, I'm not going to waste my time. I don't have a lot of so much money. I like, so I sat with down with my doctor and I was like, listen, like I only had for my company, $20,000 lifetime coverage for fertility, which you guys know is four pennies basically when it comes to fertility. Like it's nothing. It's so true. Oh, and when I heard 20,000, I'm like, amazing. Like that's going to cover everything. And Katie was like, yeah, no, that's Mm -hmm. not happening. So we're like, you know what? Let's just jump right into IVF. I'm not going to waste any coverage on IUI. We had already spent money on the IUI, on the dye test, on the trial transfer, on all my blood work. But I was like, I can't keep using this 20,000 for things that aren't going to get me pregnant. So I start estrogen patches in February. I start all my stims. And then twenty April 2023 is my first egg retrieval. Okay. So time out. So are you, do you have your Hashimoto's under control at this time? Or are these doctors? At this point I have normal levels. Okay. But when your Hashimoto's is under control, that my follicles will never come back. Right. 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 Yeah. Now that my Hashimoto's is under control, I still am on this medication for the rest of my life. My body still like, I'm still 10 pounds away and I'm from my original weight. So I've lost 10, but I remember I gained 20. So my body is still constantly in fight or flight. I'm my body is like for the last, I would say two years. It's like, who is this person? Like I'm not in my own body because your body's going through all of that while you're going through these infertility treatments, because it's like low follicle count clocks ticking. Let's go. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell guys, I'm 29. Like, how is this happening? Like people get pregnant accidentally in their fifties. Like what (laughs) is happening? It, it just it feels is like, like that. it's it feels comical at this point like I would just have to laugh at it because I'm like what like I just thought we're gonna have sex on our wedding night I'm ovulating and we're gonna get pregnant and like so we're gonna I. About oh, children. <laughs> I okay, so, never so I was just so curious okay so now you're getting ready to go in for your retrieval yeah but still even though my thyroid levels are normal my body is still trying to figure out what the fuck is happening? You right. Know? right. Yeah. It's cause I went, it's normal, but now here we're going to pump you with meds. You're going to be on these estrogen patches. Like you're, we're going in for it. So I start on my stims. I do an egg retrieval in April and we get one embryo after everything or like after, after yeah. all the stims. So we did, I think it was eight eggs. We got then like four turned to embryos. And by the way, my nurses are texting me every day for Aww. six days. How many make it? 
So every morning I'm waking up. Exactly. Like we had nine eggs, one embryo. And every day she's like, their numbers are dropping for five days. I'm like hysterical. I'm like, I don't want to know. So we get one embryo and the grade of it was like a BC, like it or CB. It was not good. But at the time I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm sure you guys experienced this. It's like, you have to do so much research on your own mm-hmm. because the doctor really only tells you so much. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure it out. I'm talking to my friend, Katie, I'm Googling everything. I'm ready to finally post on social media to be like, how, like, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I'm like, how am I a doctor right now? Like, well, and you I'm jumped into it so fast. I feel like, cause it's like, you got this diagnosis and it wasn't like you were toying with IVF. You did that. You were just like, I'm doing IVF. I think it was when the doctor looked me in the face, because again, this doctor, my rheumatologist for my autoimmune stuff, he's my mom's doctor for so long that it was almost like a family friend. So if he didn't look me in the face and was like, you have to do fertility treatment, I don't think I would have jumped on it, but he scared me so much that I was like, I'm not going to wait six months to try what if by then I have no more follicles left? Like there was no doubt in my mind that I couldn't start trying to do this right away. Yeah. So we got one embryo and Mm -hmm. I am hysterical. This is like, it felt like a joke again, like this all it's like, I'm crying because I'm sad, but I also have to laugh because it's like bad news after bad news after bad news. And it's like, what, what? Like, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. So the doctor was like, all right, let's do another egg retrieval. And I'm like, okay, it's so much easier for you to say, like, this isn't your money. This isn't your body. Your this money, your body. Yeah. And luckily, financially, my husband and I are able to do this. We have some fertility coverage and our families have been extremely helpful and supportive of us. But it was like, we have to think about it. Like, we're already at that point. I think we were like $38,000 out of pocket and we have one embryo and I'm not pregnant yet. And what is happening? Doesn't that just feel like an absolute, like, just, it just feels like you jumped off with all this trust and you're like, okay, I can do this one time and it's going to work. I'm not going to be the one where I have to do it again. And like you just dropping those figures, it's, it makes it so real. You're like, I have to do that again. What if it's the same outcome? And it was so much like my husband and I, at this point, again, we're not even in a year in at that point of fertility. We're like, what do we do? Who do we listen to? Like, again, it's a lot on our relationship, our time. We can't travel. We usually travel so much. Like we we can't travel. We can't do anything. All of our extra money is going towards building a family, but we don't know what the end outcome is. Mm -hmm. And it's so like, it like keeps you up at night because it's like, how do you know you're making the right decision? How do you know that doing this is the correct thing? Like you don't, and you have to just trust yourself. You have to trust your doctor, but you also have to think this doctor wants to make money. Yeah. So that's hard, but I do, I do love my doctor and I trust everything they say, but it's also, you have to keep in the back of your mind. This is a lot of money. This is a lot of time. Our lives are on pause basically because we can't travel. My husband travels for work. He had to cancel a bunch of work trips. We, any extra money again, it's going towards this. So we're like to our doctor, what can we do differently this time? So he starts me on human growth hormone shots, which I didn't know what that was, but like bodybuilders and people in the gym, like take it to like grow muscle. And I'm like, what are you talking (laughs) about human growth hormone shots? Like, 
am I going to get jacked? Like, what is happening? And you're probably like, oh gosh, I had in my mind, I was going to do like 11 to 12 days of shots, but now I have to prime with shots. Yeah. So he was like, it's up to you if you want to do it. It could work. It could not work, but there's a chance it could. I'm like, wonderful. Everything I researched on human growth hormones for fertility was so new that there were some success stories. There was some, it did absolutely nothing. So my husband and I, again, are sitting there being like, we didn't go to med school. Like, how are we supposed to know if this is going to work? But it was only like 200 bucks. And it was like, it could work. It won't affect us like terribly, but it could work. So we're like, you know what? F it, let's do it. Mm -hmm. So June, or so April was our first egg retrieval. May, I start HGH. So I started the human growth hormone shots for a month. That's sorry. Wow. Um, for a month. For a month? Yeah, because he's like, I want to get it in your system. And it, it helped me like lose five pounds. It was great. I said, really? I'm like, should I keep using it? Oh my God. Yeah. I'll do no <laughs> yeah, side effects besides. Like, like, nice so, yeah, no side like, effects. We... Did you have to go in and like, were they testing levels or they're like, here, do yeah, 30 work. And do it for a month and um we'll come in like the two weeks before your retrieval before you start your stims and sorry the two weeks before your like your retrieval when you do your stims let's just see if it works or let's just I was like all right so I'm on it for a month we go in at the beginning of June and at that point they don't know if it's working I still only have seven follicles they only know if it's working once they take the eggs out and see if they're stronger or if they turn into embryos. Okay. So it's supposed to help like the quality of the egg. It's supposed to help the quality of the egg. It's supposed to help them turn into embryos. Yeah. Like, but again, none of it was facts. It was just yeah. inject yourself with this. By the way, before any of this, I would have to literally be strapped down to do blood work. Like when I was growing up, needles freaked me out, even though I had like piercings. I remember like in middle school, my dad would hold me down at the doctor's office to get blood work. So going into IVF and I'm like, I have to inject myself. Uh And then this cruel joke of not only do you have to inject yourself, but now here's a month of needles. You're like priming just to. Isn't it crazy? When I do for a baby. Insane. Like your mind. No, like I at that point was like, I don't even care. Like inject me 50 times a day. But what's crazy, and when I did my IUI in January, all they did was that one stim shot before you go in for your IUI. And my friend at the time was a nurse, and I called her to come over and do the stim shot for me because my husband and I were too scared to do it. Looking back, the needle was literally so puny. And then we were doing, you know, a million shots. So it's like funny to look back that we couldn't even do it in our lower belly. Like, yeah. isn't it how much you grow? Like, it's, it's wild. And how it's much so like, crazy. Mind, yeah, your mind's like, I can do this. I'm going to do it. So we're getting ready for our next egg retrieval. I'm on HGH for a month. I have my estrogen patches. I start my stims. I fe- I'm starting to feel a little bit better. I don't know if it's because I'm understanding the situation more or I have nothing else to do but hope for the best at this point. Even though like after our first egg retrieval to get one embryo and the grade wasn't good, it was so discouraging. But it's like, what else are you supposed to do at that point? Like you have to keep going. Mm-hmm. So we're getting ready for the next one. We got like 12 eggs. So first time I think we had seven or eight. Now we have 12. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Again, they're texting us every single day and the numbers are dropping again. Like what the fuck is going on? How? We end up with two embryos after the first one. So now we have three frozen embryos. 
and the grade were okay. And we didn't test the embryos because one, we did um, genetic testing for my husband and I, and nothing came back. So the doctor was like, listen, nothing came back. Your embryo should be fine. It was $6,000 to to test the embryos out of pocket. I have no more insurance coverage at this point. And the doctor was like, you have three embryos. Like when you test them, you're risking something happening to those embryos. I don't have, you know, so many embryos to risk. What if, you know, when you, when they do it, something happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that like, and just for listeners, typically the genetic testing, it's like six to $10,000, but up to 10 embryos. And so like in my situation, in yours, Shelby, and maybe even yours, Amanda, like when you send them out, you're going to pay the six to $10,000 if you have one or if you have 10. So like for us, we're like, it doesn't feel like it's worth its value. For I was the opposite though. I, I was like, test every, I only had three and I literally okay. test them. <laughs> like, but, and in my case, it was a good thing we did, but yeah. Yeah. Just, and I, that different. decision was so hard to make because again, this is a huge decision that's going to affect our lives. Kyle and I, my husband and I are sitting there debating, do we test them? Do we not test them? I'm calling my friend, Katie. I'm asking questions. I'm Googling everything. Again, this is such a hard decision because the doctor, like, it's up to you. Here are your options. Here's what could happen. And it was like, I just felt like I can't risk these three because we have no more insurance coverage to do another egg retrieval. If we were to do another egg retrieval. So once we found out we had two, we have three, let's do a third egg retrieval. The doctor's like, we have no more insurance coverage. This will be $55,000 out of pocket. And we're like, we've already spent 40. Like we're $40,000 out of pocket after insurance coverage. We can't just spend that with like meds. Like what? Right. right. We We can't can't just have that laying around just to give. Yeah. It was crazy because it was like, Another retrieval was like 20 something thousand. Then the meds were like another 10,000. Then to do the transfer was another something. It equaled to like almost 50. It was something like that. I can't remember the number, but it was an insane amount of money. And we're like, okay, so we can't pay that. What do we do? So he's like, let's do a transfer. So now it's July. We have three embryos. He said that there at my clinic, a transfer is like piggyback onto your retrieval so we didn't have to pay for it so he besides the meds we had to pay for so he was like you have two retrievals so you'll have two transfers wow that's That's somewhat nice as long as you do within three months of your retrieval interesting okay so i'm like okay so basically now we're doing a transfer and we're picking it back on the the retrieval from april so we're like okay let's transfer one so now it's July. We're getting ready. I start my meds. I'm in the office every single day for ultrasounds. I start my PAO shots, which was literally like my worst nightmare coming true. Oh, Those no. shots are I no saw, I saw on your Instagram, you were comparing like the big PIO oh to like your hormone growth hormone ones. I know they're scary. I was like, I, I was shocked when I pulled out the needles. I was like, this is a joke. Like, how bad do I want to be? Like, this is a joke. I don't know what to do. So like, let me ask you because yeah, you said your best friend Katie was going through this before you knew that you were going to go through it. Were you a part of any of the needle? Like, had did you see that part of it? Yes. So Katie had done a. She was getting ready for a retrieval, and her husband had to travel for work. 
I flew up to Charleston for a weekend and did every single one of her stims while he was away. Oh, every that, single one of them. I was like, oh, I could do it. Like I did it for Katie for a weekend. Like every single shot morning and night, I did it for her. It was, I had no idea what I was doing, but she was like, just squeeze and do it. I was like, okay, great. But like, it's so different giving someone a shot than giving yourself sure. a shot. Yeah. Gosh, like life wild. Like now, like a year later, not even you're like in this, in her shoes. Thank God. Well, that I have her, not thank God I'm going through this, but thank God I have her because if I didn't have a friend who went through it or is going through it, I don't know what I would do. Like how she's guided me so much. Like, tell me what to do, her experience, how much she paid. Like if it wasn't for her, like I would, I don't know. I really don't know what I would do because I would just be listening to doctors, listening to people online. Like you need somebody who has gone through it to help you. Mm-hmm thank God for her. I say it all the time. Like, I truly don't know what I would do if I didn't have like one of my closest people to me that had gone through it and like, just guide me, tell me everything. She had her receipts from her medications, how much she spent, like she had her whole entire schedule, like everything. I love that. It was so helpful. So now we're at July, we're getting ready for a transfer and we're transferring our best grade embryo at this point, which wasn't even that great. Like, and the doctor, I don't know if it happened to you guys. My doctor was like, the grade doesn't matter. Just stop obsessing about the grade of the embryo. But I cut off. Well, it's <laughs> listeners couldn't see, but like air quoting your best embryo. So like to your point, like I know Amanda was my Katie, like during my process, I kept being like, what do I do? What's this? And she's like, those grades sound good, but they're not even this. We didn't even have that option at my clinic. So it just differs. Yeah. Every clinic yeah. is so different. Even like the way that they grade two is different. So like, it's like, take it with a grain of salt because it yeah. can differ but completely. Everything online is like talking about grades. And every time I like, and looking at girls' Instagrams about fertility, they're like, oh, I got this many normal tested embryos here's the grades I'm like why are we all obsessed with the grades if the doctor doesn't care like I don't understand it's so confusing but the doctor looks me in the face and was like don't stress about the grades we'll do the one that looks best but don't worry about it and I'm like "Mm, okay I don't really believe you but okay so we're getting ready for it August we do our transfer I'm doing all of my shots the PIO shots were so much scarier than they like actually were like I was fine Katie gave me all the tips of like putting the ice on it and numbing your butt and like sitting on heat afterwards. And they were literally like just a mind fuck. They were fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do them, but they were fine. Yeah. I had a whole thing. I'd lay on the couch. I would play John Mayer because I'm obsessed with John Mayer. And my husband would just like sit there. We would listen until I was like fully calm. And then he would do the shot. And like every time I hyped in my head, oh my God, this is going to hurt. And then it never actually did, but it, I mean, it sucked. It wasn't like a walk in the park, but like, you know, it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. So we do our transfer at the end of August and we go in for, oh, so we do our transfer. My husband was like, we are not testing at home. No testing. We are waiting till the blood work. Cause and he was like, you're uh-huh. uh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, so I know that Katie didn't test and we went through at the same time. And I was like, how the heck do you not test? Like, because I was so scared for a false negative or a false positive that I was like, unless a doctor tells me that I am pregnant, I am not taking a test. Like, I just, I was too scared. That's what you should do. 100%. It was a struggle every day. Too psycho though. I couldn't stop myself. 
<laughs> so good for I you. wanted to, but I knew that if I tested it with negative, I'd be devastated. If I tested it with positive, I wouldn't trust it. Right. Mm-hmm. And just spiral into testing again until the, your appointment. Yeah. I was a psychopath for those two weeks. Don't me get too. me wrong. I wasn't like <laughs> normal, but they had me get, so it was a two week wait and I had four blood work rounds to test my levels to see if I was pregnant. So, oh wait, sorry. I go in for blood work. They tell me that I'm pregnant. So they track me for two more weeks. So I find out I'm pregnant after my transfer. We're over the moon. We're hysterical. I run and buy a test. I pee on a stick. We're telling all of our friends and family that we're pregnant. And they're like, okay, so for the next two weeks, you're going to get blood work twice a week for two weeks to track your levels to make sure you're pregnant. All my levels are amazing. For two weeks, it's climbing. Like I literally, when I tell you that was the best two weeks of my life, like you couldn't tell me anything. I was on a high. Like I think I cried every day. I was like touching my belly. And it was like, this is the moment we're waiting for. Wow. We're telling all our friends and family. We're all so excited. I'm thinking of my future of like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I was supposed to be I'm due in April. Like, this is amazing. My levels are climbing. And so we go in for what was supposed to be my six-week appointment. And they go in and do the ultrasound. And it's an empty sack. My God, Shelby, I'm so sorry. And right away, right away, I knew what was going on because you know what an ultrasound is supposed to look like. And my husband's sitting there and he's like, what's happening? Why? What are we looking at? Like, he has no idea. And I'm laying there looking at the screen. It's me, the doctor, the nurse, my husband. I start sweating and I'm like, tell me what's happening. What's happening? I start freaking out. The doctor's like, wait, she's like moving the ultrasound around and trying to find something but all I see is a black hole on the screen and I'm like you need to say what's happening because in my head I knew it but until I heard him say something I it wasn't real to me sure you're you have that ounce of hope like okay I'm wrong like let him just yeah the doctor would be the one yeah Yeah. in my head I'm like I'm probably looking at it wrong like it's too early like and he just takes out the ultrasound and looks at me and was like, there's no baby. And I lose it. I'm hysterical. I'm sweating. I start hyperventilating. I lose color. I have to lay down. They're bringing in ice packs because this is my nightmare coming true. And I was just, I'm like, my levels, they've been amazing for two weeks. Like, how is this happening? And my husband's sitting there still trying to wrap his head around what's going on. But we're both like in shock. So I think I'm panicking for like a half an hour. And one of the nurses at my fertility clinic, her name is Sasha. She's amazing. And she just sat there with me while I lost my shit ultimately. And just let me feel every emotion that I could feel. So finally I calmed down and the doctor comes back in and was like, we're so sorry. You know, it's empty sack. We don't know what happened, obviously, but, um, you need to, we're going to call your OBGYN and you need to go in tomorrow for a DNC. What? Wait, Wait, what? Yeah. Hold on. Can I go back to a question? Okay. So I know you keep saying an empty sack. That has always been something that's been so like confusing to me because with, uh, with like an organic conception, right? Like you just think, I don't, I don't know with IVF, it's weird because they're putting the embryo in there. So did they, are they calling that a blighted ovum? Did they yes. give you? So they're saying it's a blighted ovum and that the embryo just like my body thought it was absorbed. pregnant. It was absorbed and it was gone. 
So I didn't really know what that was because in the moment when they did the ultrasound, I'm just panicking. Like it was, unless unless you've like gone through something traumatic, it's like tunnel vision, everything's sinking around you. I couldn't hear, like people were talking. I, I couldn't hear anyone. My brain wasn't functioning to ask any questions. It was sheer panic. So we from so we're at the ultrasound. The doctor was like, "We're gonna call your OBGYN. We don't do DNCs. We don't do any of that stuff." Really? So mine yeah. did. That's yeah. That's wild. So now tomorrow morning, so they called like tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. You're gonna go to your OBGYN. Go home tonight. They're gonna tomorrow. They're gonna handle everything for you. They could have said more to me, but I'm telling you, I blacked out. Right. All I heard was tomorrow, 10 a.m. Go to your OBGYN. So now at this point, we're, we live 30 minutes from my fertility clinic and we're driving home. And I was like to my husband, we're in two separate cars because we met after work thinking it's like the best day ever. Oh I'm gosh. calling my mom, my dad. I call my sister. Kyle's calling his family. Because at this point, everyone knew we were pregnant. So my, the thing with fertility that's not frustrating, that's weird. So I'm Jewish and in Judaism, you don't really like announce that you're pregnant. You don't do gender reveals. It's like a very sacred thing that you don't, tell people till you're past a certain point. So it was very foreign for me that every single person in my life knew something so early was happening, but everyone knew we had our transfer and was curious what was happening. So we couldn't really hide it. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of that struggle of like, well, everyone that's important to me knows I'm pregnant. We weren't telling strangers, but all my friends and family knew. And now we have to tell everyone that I'm not. So I'm in the car ride home. I call my mom and my dad and I'm like, there's no baby. And I couldn't get words out because I'm still in panic. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. There's no baby. When I calm down and get home, like, I'll talk to you. So I call my sister. She's in New York. And I tell her what happened. And I go, you need to call every person that knows I'm pregnant and tell them what's going on. No one can contact me. I don't want anyone to know what's like, I don't need to speak to anyone, call every single person. And she was like, okay. And like an hour later, she's like, I'm on a flight tomorrow coming home. Because we, again, like, we don't know what to do. Like it's, so she calls every person. I call Katie because I'm like telling her what's happening. And she was like, what? Like, like it just didn't make sense. So Katie finally, Katie's sister's actually an ultrasound technician. So Katie tells her sister what happened and showed her all my blood levels. And Katie's sister was one that told me it was a blighted ova, which my doctor never said anything. Again, he could have, but when I tell you I blacked out, like I don't really know what happened. So I'm like Googling, I'm researching. So we get home that night is like the worst end of my life. My dad comes over, my sister flies in the next day or even that night. Again, it was like such a blur. So this is August 29th and August 30th, we're going in. So I'm just, the next morning we wake up, like, it is just like a wave of insanity of like depression. And you're like, hoping it's a nightmare. So we go up to my OBGYN at 10 AM and my OB has been my OB since I've gotten my period. So I'm 30 now. So I don't know, I was like 14 when I got my period. So I've only ever gone to this doctor. He was my mom's OB, my grandma's OB. Like, so he felt like family to me, (laughs) Yeah, which is like such a good thing. Cause like, it just felt like comfortability from the beginning and you can just kind of tell me what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. yeah so we go in we get called back for an ultrasound I literally look like I got hit by a train at this point because I didn't sleep I hadn't stopped crying and he was like all right let's do an ultrasound to confirm 
I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. You have to confirm right. what You're is like, happening. This like, is now PTSD because the last yeah. time I had my first ultrasound. Yeah. 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 So we did the vaginal ultrasound. He immediately was like, yep, takes the ultrasound out. And I'm still just like in hysterics. I'm trying to ask questions. My brain is kind of starting to function normally at this point. And he was like, the like he was just like, these are your three options. Because they were thinking that my body still thinks I'm pregnant. And whether the embryo is absorbed, there could be tissue floating around or there could be something in there and they wanted to get it out right so he was like here's your three options I was like great he goes one you go home you wait for your body to pass this miscarriage naturally but that could take weeks and I was like okay that sounds miserable two we could give you a vaginal suppository that's going to cause a miscarriage it's not a hundred percent guaranteed but it could happen and it's painful or three in an hour from now we can go over to the surgical center and do a dnc surgery and you can wake up and move forward from all of this i was like excuse like excuse me that's Those like are something three you, really crappy options right you know and you need like, like weeks to process something like that and you yeah. haven't even had like 24 hours to process the first piece of news so i'm like what so I'm like, I said to him, I was like, what would you do if I was your daughter or your wife? And he was like, if I were you, okay, let's get into surgery right now. Because if you wait for it naturally, it could be weeks. If you do the vaginal suppository, it's not guaranteed. It could be really painful. So the DNC is kind of like the quickest way to do it. So my husband and I are like, all right, let's just do the DNC surgery. So we wait an hour in the car, in the car. We don't know where we're going. Like we couldn't go home. We're 30 minutes away from our house. So we go to the surgery center and we're sitting in the car and we go in and everyone in there obviously had already like looked at my chart and it was like so somber and like bizarre but like I again at this point it felt like I was outside of my body and I couldn't like process what was happening like I felt like my husband was like guiding me into the surgery center because it's like how am I, how is this happening fast yeah and again but we're still only this is August we're in a year in to diagnosing my Hashimoto's and starting it. So it feels like I've been doing this forever, but I'm really only a year in to fertility treatment. So we get to the surgery center, the lady at the front would not stop talking. And I like was on the verge of cursing her out, but my husband's like, just go sit down. Cause she's like, what are you doing here? And then she saw my paper. She's like, oh, don't worry. And I'm like, please stop talking to me. Oh yeah. Like, like, I don't want to hear, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything you have to say right now. Please yeah. don't talk to me. So then they pull me back to the surgery center or like back to the room and my they're like, I'm like, can my husband go back with me? And they're like, no. Are you kidding me right now? So I get pulled back there. And luckily my nurse, I wish I remembered her name, was an angel. And she looked at my paper and she just like gave me a hug. And like I didn't realize how much I needed it from a stranger. And I just lost it. And she looks me in the face and she goes, Don't worry. I've gone through this six times. If you have any questions, I'm here. But like, I've been there, you're going to be okay. And I'm like, who is this angel sent down from above? That is my nurse right now. I so I really think she probably was like, isn't that wild? Just like those interactions. I'm like six like times. Yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine. What if I had a male nurse who never experienced this? What if I had a, someone who was insensitive, who didn't know what to say? Like in that moment, this person was like an angel to me. So I get ready. I'm back there. I'm getting all set up for the surgery. And I'm just like a wreck. Like my body, I feel numb. Like I'm not even crying anymore at that point. I'm just 
I don't, I, I'm just there. They put my IVs in, they start giving me all these medications. And the whole time, this nurse is just talking to me, telling me about her story, how she finally has kids of her own. And she knows the struggle and she knows exactly, she's been in my shoes. And I just like listened to every word she said. And she just was somehow got me through it. So I go back through it. I don't obviously remember anything. I put to sleep. I wake up and they're like, everything went good. Um, all you're going to do is go home, you'll rest and life goes back to normal, basically. And I'm like, what? Like, it just, it doesn't click. Okay. So I have, I find out I'm pregnant. Now I'm not really pregnant anymore. My body still thinks I'm pregnant. I just removed whatever's left in me from that. And now I get to just go home. What? Yeah. So I go home. My sister's here from New York. My parents are with us every single day. And I've been through loss before of family members. You know, my husband's father had passed the year before. Like my, I've been through grief, but this level of grief that I was feeling was a whole nother level of something that I didn't know a human could experience. And I wasn't even like, I was two weeks of pregnancy. So I just go home and my body heals. I guess. So this is August. The doctor this goes year, right? Like you know, a couple months happened. ago. Yep. So my doctor goes, you should get your period in four to six weeks. And once you get your period, we'll get right back into a transfer. Oh my god. It has been almost four months and I still have not gotten my period. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. So after the DNC surgery, I bled like a little bit, like I had those big pads, but it was never like, a, I expected a lot. Didn't have a lot within the four to six weeks. I'm experiencing some cramping, um, waiting for my period to come four weeks roll around. I don't have it. Six weeks roll around. I don't have it. I call my OBGYN and he's like, okay, wait till eight weeks. And then when you come in for eight weeks, let's do blood work to make sure your body doesn't think it's pregnant anymore. So I go in for blood work eight weeks later and all my levels are normal. Everything's great. My body's not pregnant anymore. My thyroid's looking good. Everything they tested for was in the green. She was like, give it two more weeks. I'll be shocked if you don't get your period. I'm like, okay. It's October now. And, and I still don't have my period. I'm like, what? And isn't that Wait. so frustrating? Because now you've probably processed. And I know my experience after loss was like, it was a desire to get pregnant even harder than it was before. And now you don't have yeah. Cause in my head, I'm like, Oh, four weeks to get my period. I'm going to do another transfer. I read online after a miscarriage, your body's higher chance of getting pregnant. Like I'm in delusional land over here thinking, yeah. Oh my God, it's okay. I'm going to get my period. I'm going to transfer. Everything's going to be great. So go for blood work. Everything's normal. He goes, wait two more weeks. I wait two more weeks. Nothing. I called the doctor and I was like, can we do an ultrasound because like everything online was like fibroids, like something's going on. Like you have fibroids or there's like something in there. So like, okay, like, let's see what's going on. We do an ultrasound. Everything looks normal. And he was like, it looks like you either just ovulated or you're about to. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Everything looks normal. Like it's at this point, it's like two months or sorry, three months in. He's like, everything looks normal. It looks like you might be ovulating or you just did. You could try to get pregnant if you want, but if go home, take a pregnancy test in 10 days, if it's negative, start birth control for a month. And then after your birth control, you should get your period. Gosh. Uh, 
to my delusional ass is like, I am pregnant. Like, <laughs> I'm pregnant. Okay. I I'm get pregnant. it. Yeah, so I, I go home that night and I'm like, babe, let's try. Like, we can try naturally for the first time in so long. Let's do it. And he's like, you're delusional. I'm like, I know. I know. Like, I, I do the same thing. <laughs> no, I am. So we try, honestly. And it doesn't happen. I take the pregnancy test. It's negative. I'm on birth control. So I'm still in the thick of the story. I have four more days of my birth control from today. And then hopefully I get my period. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Oh, this is like current right now then. This is current right now. Shall we need episode it? two. Right? percent. <laughs> so Thank four you. more days of it. And then hopefully I get my period. And then I can call the fertility doctor, get ready for another transfer. And then he'll be pregnant in 2024. <laughs> I love it. I love the positivity. You seem like you're no, I, good now. It's not. This is like such a lie. I'm like not positive at all. I'm so negative. I cry all the time. But like, I feel like I go to therapy every two weeks and this is like literally all I talk about. So I feel like when I talk to my therapist, it's like, what other choice do I have? Mm -hmm. I've been miserable for a year. I've been such a bitch. I've been on meds, on my thyroid levels. I feel like I'm in someone else's body. Like this has been the year of absolute hell for me. So I feel like I'm at the point now where it's like, well, what else am I supposed to do? Like, I don't have control over my body clearly. So let's just let it do its own thing. I try to be positive and I'm trying my best to like advocate for myself and speak about it. I made a post about it on my Instagram in May. Katie and I started a fertility Instagram. Like I'm really trying to, but then, you know, you have your days where it's like, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. So for the last four months, every person who knew about my pregnancy has been texting me did you get your period yet did you get your period yet and I'm like if one more person asks me about my period (laughs) I am going to freak out so I'm hoping that I get my period within the next couple of weeks I'll text my fertility clinic hopefully in January or February I have a transfer and then we'll have to come back for an episode two and hopefully do episode two and it makes so much sense now I want you to um we want to in our show notes put the fertility Instagram page and like seeing that because it's Amanda and I were talking it's kind of like a funny humor memes page and now it's a meme page it makes total sense like (laughs) you're so cute well when I was in the thick of it I was like I want to start a fertility page because I want to create a community. And then I'm saying, I can't really do this by myself. Then I reached out to Katie and I was like, let's make memes. Let's joke about it. Because Katie and I just like, we like have such like dry, sarcastic humor that like we kind of come off as like bitchy, but like we're not. We're just like making a joke of our situation. So it's like, let's just make fun of what we're going through right now. But I haven't posted on the page since the miscarriage because I just haven't felt ready for it. So I'm hoping once you have my period and my mindset's right, I'll be ready to like start making them again and like get in that page. But the last couple of months, I haven't really been, this is like my first time really being able to like tell my story, not cry through it and like just look at it from an outsider's perspective. So I'm hoping that like my mindset will, once I'm in the thick of it again, then I'll want to start posting so yeah I mean you shared your story so beautifully I was over here crying I think it brought up a lot a lot for yeah, me but, for sure uh, can, can we link can you share verbally what the tag is um both yeah. for that and if you care to share your personal and then we'll put it in the show notes yes let me just pull up how we spelled our Instagram page because we adjusted the spelling okay so my Instagram is at hi Shelby so h-i-s-h-e-l-b-y 
And then Katie and I's Instagram is fuck infertility, but it's at F period C K I N F E R T I L T Y. So it's fuck infertility but without the U, it's a period. Um, Cause at that point, like we just have to joke about it. 100%. No, but I think it's such and, a good distraction for people. Like, cause it's so hard going so, through it. So many girls from like high school that I haven't talked to in years message me. And I've, I have like several girls that I text every week that are going through it and we're talking and it's been such a nice escape because I talk to all my, you know, normal girlfriends about it, but it's really hard when someone doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. So having this page and having these girls from high school or someone, I've been talking to this girl, we met like twice through an old roommate of mine, her and I have been talking every single week about it. And like, it's just so nice to have people that are going through it with you to like just like joke and shit talk and cry and laugh and rage text and like not worry about what you're saying yeah I love it you did such a good job explaining your story and I know listeners can relate I'm super excited I would love to do another episode once you get into next year yes hopefully so we had to so my company my husband and I work for the same company and you get 20,000 lifetime fertility coverage but the but my clinic only goes through the mom. So we use my 20,000. So I just switched to my husband's coverage. So by Jan one, I'll be on his plan. And then hopefully I'll get his 20,000 coverage and be able to use that this year, just in case I have to do another retrieval or like whatever happens this year, we'll have some coverage because we've spent $40,000 out of pocket already. So I'm hoping this year will be a lot less. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you, Shelby, so much for being on. And like we said, we'll definitely have you on for um, another episode for sure. Thank you guys so much. That was so much fun.